Good evening. Today is Tuesday, July 12th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter step is step eight, and our speaker is Jordan. Uh, thank you, Jordan. Yeah, thanks for having me, Francesca. Uh, my name is Jordan. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, and grateful to be absent and on a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I'm in Colorado. I live in Gunnison, Colorado. It's a very small town in Southwest rural Colorado. Um, <laughs> uh, and I absolutely love living here because it enables me to get outside a lot because um, there's nothing else to do in this town but go outside. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so real quick, I'll tell you how I got here. Um, I have been a compulsive overeater um, <clears throat> for a long time now, um, as long as I can remember. I definitely come from a family that was that was not learned in expressing feelings. They did not know how to um, express love in uh, like verbal ways. So like a lot of times it was expressed with food <laughs> um, and food was love. Um, <clears throat> someone would show you that they loved you by making you some food. Um, <clears throat> so, I uh, uh, started equating those two things uh, a long, long time ago. Um, and then what happened for me is I, uh, I started, um, I started like self-soothing with food at one point, um, like right around my preteen age, like, 10, 11, somewhere in there. Um, it was like the beginning of middle school. Middle school sucked. Um, <laughs> I remember it very well. I remember going to middle school and all of a sudden, like all of all of my friends cared a lot about boys and what boys thought of them and whether or not they were skinny and starting to wear makeup and starting to shave their legs and all this stuff. And um, <clears throat> I hated it. I didn't get it at all. Um, and I didn't fit in in that world in any way, shape, or form. And I didn't really care what, <laughs> like, the boys thought, you know? Um, <clears throat> and so um, I, was, I was pretty frustrated, and, and um, I remember, like, self-soothing with food at that point in time. Like, I just wasn't... Um, uh, adjusting well, I guess, to like, um, like hormones and things changing and, and my, my body and my friends changing and stuff like that. Um, and I used to come home from school and I would binge, um, I, I would come home from school. I would like starve myself all day long. And then I would come home from school and I would just eat the whole entire kitchen. Um, and I absolutely loved it. It was my favorite part of the day. Um, I had like free rain and, um, <clears throat> and that's where like this twist of the mind really started to develop for me. Um, 
And I'm genetically disposed to this too. Like I, I have family members and stuff that are compulsive overeaters um, that came before me. And, um, and so what happened is I started developing an allergy <clears throat> and an abnormal reaction um, to certain foods and ingredients and especially combinations, um, like combinations of sugar and flour or um, sugar and fat or uh, fat and salt um, or sugar, fat and salt. <laughs> That's my favorite, <laughs> all three. <laughs> um, and I, I started to get to a point where like, I couldn't really control how much I was eating of this stuff um, whenever I would engage uh, with particular foods. And um, by the time I hit the eighth grade, the end of middle school, um, first year of high school, I was 200 pounds. Um, I was pretty tall. I'm like 5'8 now. I was probably 5'6 or 5'7 back then. Um, so pretty tall, but, um, I was much larger than all of, all of the other girls for sure. Um, and larger than most of the boys too. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and, uh, felt very isolated and different. Um, and because, because I, I had all that extra weight so early on life, it really, really, really took a toll on my self-esteem and emotional security. Um, so I had a lot of work to do when I got here. Um, I had actually been in another 12 step program for eight years um, prior. Well, the first time I came into Overeaters Anonymous, I had been in another 12 step program for three years. Um, and I came into OA, I knew that the 12 steps had worked for this other problem. So I came into OA to see if it could work for. Um, my food problem as well, my weight problem. That's really what I thought I had when I got here. It was a weight problem. I was really, really sure that if I lost all the extra weight that I had, I was probably about 250 pounds at this point, um, 23 years old when I came in and for the first time in 2012. Um, and I was really, really sure that if I lost all this extra weight, I would be fine. Um, all I needed to do was lose the extra weight and life would be good. Um, and I would be set and I could do all the normal things that normal people do and be happy with it, like be satisfied with it. Um, and, uh, what I found, I found some camaraderie when I came into OA um, but to be really honest, I did not find a solution. Um, I, I found other compulsive overeaters and it, that was a relief to know that there were other people like me that thought about food in the same way that I did. Um, but they didn't really have a solution, you know, like some of them talked about taking the tiger out of the cage three times a day and it being really difficult and hard and some of them talked about um, uh, like just fighting with this. Um, they would like go back and forth between being abstinent and not being abstinent. And they would come in and out of OA and 
Um, there really wasn't like a clear solution based message. Um, and after having heard a really clear solution based message and then 12 step meetings I'd been to prior to that, I was pretty bummed. I was like disappointed. <laughs> um, and I was like, screw this, you know, like you guys are in here struggling together. I like, I don't need you guys to struggle. I'll just go out there and struggle on my own. <laughs> um, and that was kind of my take on it. So I left and tried some other things. And um, I actually ended up meeting, meeting this lady and this other 12-step program that was also a compulsive overeater and was abstinent. Um, and I ended up getting entirely abstinent, kind of by accident. Um, I really, I, I, I don't, I don't think that that's what I was looking for necessarily. Um, I, I was in tune to the fact that like my life was unmanageable, but I, I'm not really sure that I was looking to like get abstinent <laughs> in order to, um, manage, uh, at that point in time. Um, but I did and I lost all that extra weight. Um, so like my dream came true, you know, like, like I said, I thought I had a weight problem. So, um, I lost all the extra weight and I thought I was cured. I was good to go. I was set completely and totally. Um, I was 100% okay. with The fact that I would never eat ice cream ever again. Um, I was, I was good. I was good. I was, um, I was completely and totally okay with not eating sugar and, and, um, all that stuff. I didn't have, uh, any of the, re the rebelliousness, um, that I had felt kind of the first time around in no way. Um, <clears throat> and my experience with that is that, um, getting abstinent is all well and good. Um, I have to do some work to stay abstinent and I didn't do that work. Um, and I wound up relapsing, um, very, very similar to, uh, the story of Fred in more about alcoholism. Fred's like the guy who goes to Washington and, um, gets drunk at the end of a perfect day. Right. Um, cause I thought I was said, I thought I lost all that weight and I, I had a new job and I started dating this guy and, and, um, I got a new car, like all kinds of things, all of these things had, had come together for me. Um, and I still turned to the food again and I didn't even like, it even like took me like nine months to actually admit that I was in relapse and gaining back 40 pounds before I was willing to admit that I like that I was out of control again, that I like, I couldn't solve this. And it was really scary and hard to admit that because I thought I had found my answer. And if I hadn't found my answer, I didn't know what else I was gonna do. Um, Cause at this point in time, I didn't think that OA worked. I thought OA was a bunch of bullshit. That it was a bunch of fat people complaining about shit to be like really, really frank. Um, and I did not want to come back at all in any way, shape or form. I did not see anything here for me. Um, and, uh, 
this lady, my Ebby, um, I thank God for this lady every friggin' day because I don't know why she kept calling me and um, she kept calling me and checking in with me. Like we weren't even friends really, <laughs> um, but she kept calling me and checking in with me and um, and telling me she, she's been in OA for, I don't know, almost 20 years now, something like that. Um, and she would call and check in and see how I was doing. Um, <clears throat> and one day she just happened to call at the right time where I was, um, my defenses were down. And um, I told her the truth about like where I was at. I started crying. I started like sobbing on the phone with her because um, I was so scared. I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, and at this point in time, uh, I, had, I had met her back in 2012. She really didn't have much of a solution back then. She was one of those people that told me that she just like fought with this every single day. Um, <clears throat> but uh, fast forward five years later, this is 2017 now. Um, she really, she really had something like she'd really discovered something. Um, to the point where I was like, I, I, like, I didn't, I, I didn't even like her that much, you know, like I said, like we weren't even really friends. Um, but I listened to her. I was willing to listen to what she was talking about. Cause she was, she was speaking in such a different way than had been my experience and the conversations that I had had with her five years prior to that. Um, like she really had something and I, I wasn't completely sure what it was. She said that she had been working out of the big book. Um, and I was like, well, yeah, like I know the big book, right? Like I had been reading the big book for eight years at this point in time. I was like, I like, I get it. Yeah. The big book, it's all good. Right. Um, and, um, she just, she just caught me at the right time. She caught me when my defenses were down and um, she ended up reading me some stuff out of the big book. Um, and I'm not even sure why I listened because at this point, like I'm a stubborn, hard-headed know-it-all. So I don't even know like how it was that I heard what she was saying to me. Right. Um, but she read, she read to me about the bedevilments and we, we really like dove in and talked about them and talked about how, how specifically they were showing up in my life at this point in time, even at eight years of sobriety, right? Um, and I really, I really, really, like it really sunk in unmanageability. Um, Cause I, I think that sometimes it's hard to see our unmanageability. Um, Compulsive overeaters can be like pretty high functioning, right? Like they're usually not going to jail the way an alcoholic is. They're usually not losing a job the way an alcoholic might. They're usually not getting a divorce or losing their family or losing their home or losing their car or whatever it is, right? Like it's it, my experience that it's much easier to see where an alcoholic's life is unmanageable than it is to see where a compulsive overeater's life is unmanageable. Five um, that's five. That's five. 
Yes. Yes, five. Okay, sorry, um, I'm on my phone, so I can't see everyone's screen. Um, so, uh, so we dove into the bedevilments and we talked about how my life was unmanageable and all of them were true. I couldn't control my emotional nature. I was prey to misery and depression. Um, I was making a living, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't a satisfied living. Um, I was like on the brink of getting fired on a regular basis because I was screwing up so much at work and making all these mistakes. Um, and definitely like compulsively overeating at work. I was a banquets manager at the time. So I ate all kinds of heinous shit, right? Um, <clears throat> and we really, really started to understand that. Um, and I dove uh, headfirst into the steps and started working them out of the big book, um, following the directions out of the big book in here. Um, and they're, they're subtle, right? Like, I think sometimes we talk about following the directions of our sponsor and you definitely want to, right? Like that is, you want a sponsor, you want to follow the suggestions that they make 100%, right? Um, but the really important stuff is here in the big book. So um, like we, we have these tools and those are very helpful, right? And they show us like how it is that, um, that we can start to integrate this into our daily lives. But like the really important stuff is like the essentials of a spiritual experience, honesty, open-minded and uh, honesty, open-mindedness and willingness. And these are, these are things that like, like a, uh, a sponsor can't follow you around all day and see if you're being honest, open-minded and willing. Like, these are things that you really have to start to internalize and like own, right? Like I, I have to be honest, open-minded and willing. And so like, I would go throughout my day and ask myself, like, am I being honest about this? Am I being open to this? Am I being willing? Um, and it really, really started to shift some things like pretty immediately for me. Um, <clears throat> and I, I started working the steps um, uh, and, and going through this stuff. Um, uh, I did uh, one, two, and three are, are really just like concessions. Um, there's not a whole lot to them. Um, and then I wrote my fourth step. I wrote it in um, uh, maybe like like three or four weeks, something like that. So this is like something it shouldn't take that long. Um, I've heard people writing a four step in two days. I've even heard of people writing a four step in like two hours. Um, it's not something that's meant to take a long time. It's it's really meant to get down on paper in black and white, all in the same place, the things that are running through your head on a daily basis, like the, the thoughts and feelings that are um, driving us to eat, to overeat compulsively. Um, and so getting all that stuff down on paper and seeing it all in one place, I started to, I started to see some patterns and I started to realize how much time and energy it was taking from me. It was consuming me, you know? Um, and I, I really started to, 
I, I really started to see that that's not who I wanted to be. Um, that no matter how much those people had like quote unquote wronged me, right? Those resentments had wronged me, how scared I was of these fears, um, <clears throat> how ashamed I was of, of my conduct and behaviors. Um, I didn't, I didn't want it to continue to consume me the way that it was. Um, <clears throat> so I kept moving forward. I, and I fist stepped with the sponsor. I got really honest about all the stuff that was in there, even like the really nasty shit. I, cause I, I'll have like some really nasty thoughts <laughs> about, uh, certain individuals and people and situations and stuff like that. And, and I got really honest, um, with her about all of it and let her in on that. Um, <clears throat> um, and we talked about character defects in six and seven. Um, and she described to me what her experience was with being entirely ready to have those removed. Um, and I got a much clearer idea of how it was that I could start to, um, aim for my ideals, you know, aim for, for assets. Um, and knowing that I was going to fall short, but still being willing to aim for them, you know, um, and knowing that I wasn't going to be able to do this perfectly, but still being willing to participate, you know, um, <clears throat> and I got to steps eight and nine, um, there's only, uh, there's not much uh, uh, about it, like singularly eight in the big book. Um, it really does talk about them together. Um, but it, it talks about um, attempting to sweep away the debris which has accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. And that's really referring back to step three in the big book and describing like this bad actor who's trying to run the whole show um, and do the lights and that's time. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was important for me to um, look at all of that stuff in order to clean up the debris from the past and be able, like, be able to move forward with some sort of purpose um, into the rest of the steps and into my future, my my um, abstinent life, you know. Um, so, again, grateful to be in a meeting, and that's all I got. Thank you so much, Jordan, for sharing. Uh, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep this meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on your phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announcement time is up. If the speakers asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay. And so first we'll have, oh, nope, yep. 
All right, Eileen L. Hello, I'm Eileen, compulsive overeater. Um, thank you so much. I can't see you on my screen, um, but I know you're here. Oh, there you are, Jordan. Okay. Um, wow. Um, yeah, that was amazing. That was so great for like so many reasons. Um, but I'll tell you what I really, uh, I mean, I don't even know where to begin, how much I loved that whole entire share. Um, but I'll tell you what really stood out for me. Um, I love the part about uh, the sponsor not being everything um, because I have I I have this habit of really um, kind of idolizing people in program who um, I think are like have it all or whatever. And I do happen to think that my sponsor is pretty spectacular and um, because she is, but also you know, she isn't my higher power and she's actually out of the country right now. And that is a great excuse for me to kind of do whatever I want to do, quote unquote. And she's not my program. You know, this is, I, I have a program, you know, and it is really, when you said that it really was like, I mean, like, where are you in the steps right now? You know, and it just was, it makes me want to like jump back into, I mean, we are, I am, she gave me an assignment. <laughs> But it makes me want to do the assignments because it's like, this is I'm not doing it for her. I'm doing it for me. And so when I heard you talk, when I, when I heard you say like, um, you know, it's about the big book it, and it is about the big book. It's not about my, what my sponsor necessarily tells me to do. It's about, it's about the textbook of the big book and um, my relationship with my higher power, which I've really been, been focusing on too. And I do read when I'm, um, part of my routine in the morning is, um, is about this last page of the spiritual experience, um, where it talks about, we find that no one need have difficulty with the spiritual spirituality of this program, willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. And I, I change it to, and these are indispensable. Um, and I just think that's wonderful. I'm so grateful that you brought that up. Um, because I need to remember that my willingness, my honesty, my being open-mindedness, open-minded is the essentials for my recovery in, in every area of my life. And I love that, like asking throughout the day, am I doing this? How am I participating in my recovery in like all areas? I mean, that's, that's genius. Um, just kind of remind myself that. So anyways, I, ah, I just loved it. So I'm just so grateful to be here. So thank you. Thank you, Eileen. Next up, we have Francesca. Oh, oops. Hi, I'm Francesca, compulsive over ear bulimic. Um, thank you so much, Jordan. I um, really appreciated um, as well to, to echo um, what was shared about just um, allowing this, just this honesty you know, because it's like, I really am good at showing like, like I can do it for someone else. Like if someone gives me assignments or says, does do this or that, like I can be very studious, you know, of, of the recovery program. And, um, I can do like a checklist, like nobody's business, you know? Um, but that's like, 
that doesn't mean that I'm honest or willing or open. And even kind of like when you said that, I was like, wait, am I like open to be in this meeting to like listen to what is being said? Am I open to believing that I can have a new experience, that there's something that can be said here, that there's a reason I'm here. I'm not just like going through the motions and that no matter how much pain I might be in that like I can just be open to believing that, you know, my higher power has got it always. And I love how you connected the step eight to the step three about like the debris. Like, it's like, okay, like I, you know, um, trust God, clean house, help others. Like these sort of things that are in um, the book and in the way like that are wrapped up in narratives. It's just like allowing me to have that you know, honest approach to be like, well, when I was in, you know, the actor, when I was in the bedevilments, like, if I didn't really like my life, I also get to be honest and open about that, about looking at it and not like, and looking at like, oh yeah, I didn't like that because now I'm, I'm being given an opportunity um, to, you know, try something else. Um, and in my, if, if I'm willing um, and putting the onus on me. So, yeah. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, your share. Thank you. And I pass. Thank you, Francesca. Would anyone else like to share? If so, you can click the raise hand button. All right, I'm going to try and say your name, Jolyn. Yeah, awesome. that's correct. Thanks. Hi, my name's Jolyn, and I'm a reader. And um, I came late to the meeting, and uh, but I appreciated what everybody said, and um i'm new i'm new to this program and i've had uh three days of abstinence which um anyways that's where i'm at and and i actually feel pretty good today i don't know how i'll feel in a, a week i might feel very irritable and stressed out but <laughs> Today, I feel good and I'm glad I'm here. Thank you. Thank you, Jolyn. Who else would like to share? All right, Melissa B. Hey, Melissa, recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, thanks for your service, everyone. Thank you so much, Jordan, for your, your message. I actually have a question. I would love to hear, because we're on, since we're talking about step eight, I'd love to hear um, about uh, if you've had an experience um, where you've had to work at becoming willing to make an amend. And uh, thank you for your amazing share. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, there have, um, definitely been uh 
a couple, two circumstances actually. So one of them was, um, uh, and I, I'll say like, so like I had made amends before, right? Um, so this was my, this was my second time making amends, um, or my second like round, I guess you could call it. Um, uh, there were a lot less to make <laughs> than I had had, um, previous to that. So that was good. That was kind of nice. I made some progress. Um, and so one of them, there was one that, um, I, I wrote a lot about this person. Um, this person was like really involved in my life at the time. And, um, this was someone I lived with at the time. And, um, I, like, I, I, I wrote a lot about how it was that I, uh, that I had perceived the situation. Um, but I really, was having trouble coming up with ways that I had harmed this person, you know? Um, and, and I kept praying about it and I kept praying about it and I kept praying about it and bringing it to God and asking. And, and I brought it to my sponsor and I asked her about it too. Um, and she really didn't have a clear answer for me either. Um, like her answer was to keep praying about it. Um, and I kept praying about it. And, um, like what happened with that one is, is there wasn't, there wasn't a clear way I had caused this person harm, you know? Um, uh, I had actually, what I had done in that situation was actually taken any harm that would have been directed at that person and actually brought it to a different person that I was living with and put it all on them, you know, and was like, was like gossiping and talking about this other person behind their back. Um, and so not directly harming them. And I don't do, I don't make amends for that. You don't make amends to someone about talking behind their back, unless you are 100% sure that they actually know about this because you don't cause more harm by making amends, right? So I don't go to someone and say, yeah, I've been talking about you behind your back this whole time and now I wanna make amends for it. Like you don't do that stuff, right? Um, this really is about like seeking to clean up the debris, not make more debris. Um, so in that case, like the amends owed is to this other person that I've been time. talking to. Um, and saying like, Hey, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, I'm not going to talk behind, you know, behind back. Um, this other person actually wasn't willing to accept my amends at that point in time. I actually had to wait a year before that person was willing to hear the amend and that's okay too. You know, like this is about God's time. So, um, I, like, I let it be, you know, I really got to like sit on my hands, which is tough for me. So I, I'm, I'm appreciative that there's really clear directions for all of this. Thank you, Jordan. All right. Next up is Karen. 
so sorry, Steph. I'm just going to ask that um, you stop the recording. Um, it's that time. And then, yes, Karen, proceed. Thank you.